Okay, and Pam said that was really a great testimony. Yeah, it was an amazing testimony. All right, praise the Lord. The men had Bobby come to the um, men's breakfast a week before that. He's a missionary in Macedonia, and uh, he's supposed to be at our life group this Thursday to share what he's, you're welcome to come, whether you're a part of the group or not, he's going to share. We can ask him questions about the work of God in Macedonia. Don't you love it? There's Christians everywhere. Don't you love Macedonia? There's Christians. In Haiti, there's Christians. We feed kids in Haiti, and I love that. The church is a big church. Um, and it, this kind of goes on with my message. I'll tell this story, and then I'll, I'll pray, and we'll get started on what I'm preaching today. But, you know, yesterday I was running on the Gap Trail, and uh, as I was running, I got done. I'm always looking for someone to share the gospel with, aren't you? Say amen. In, in theory, we all are, right? Well, I, I'm always looking for someone. And I had three different conversations at the Gap Trail with three different sets of people. The first one, um, it was a young man. You could just tell he was a runner. He was built like a runner. And I asked him if he ran cross country, and he did. And uh, then I, his mom was there, and I talked to uh, his mom. They were, I believe, Baptists, and they go to church somewhere in Warsaw. And I had a beautiful conversation with them. And then um, uh, there was a woman, her and I started running at the same time, and she went one way and I went another, but we finished almost at the same time, and I had a conversation with her. And I found out that this woman, she was a Baptist, and she went to, I think, Berean Baptist Church in Pickerington, drove all the way. She liked this, uh, anybody heard of John MacArthur? She liked John MacArthur, and that was her thing, and we talked for a long time. Then the next people is an old couple, and they were so cute. They were 80s. They had to be. And they were sitting in their car, and I just, you know, rolled down my window, and I said, hey, what you guys doing? Started a conversation, and they were Church of Christ people. They went to the Church of Christ. Get this. My pastor from the Church of Christ, who was Ray Land, beautiful man of God. I love Ray. Um, he has moved from Heath to Mount Gilead, where he grew up. This guy was from Mount Gilead, and he knew my former pastor. I said, do you know Ray Lynn? He goes, oh, yeah, I know Ray. Do you know his brother Don? I said, yeah, I know his brother Don. And we talked for 10, 15 minutes. They were so cute. They, uh, they had lost their spouses several years before, and they were dating. Isn't that cute? said, you guys going to get married? I think they said, why spoil it? I don't know what they... Uh... And that woman, she was so cute. And I could just see Jesus in her. Amen? Why am I sharing this? Hang around for the message and I'll tell you. Father, thank you for the word of God because your word is truth. The spirit is truth and the word is truth. We're uncompromisingly believing in the word as you give us understanding and revelation and Lord, we believe in your spirit of truth as well, Lord. We thank you for opening the eyes of our heart, opening the eyes of our understanding, and giving us wisdom and revelation in your word. Because we fight our battle, Lord, in the spirit, not in the flesh. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the things, as I was driving away from that experience, and I've seen this before, so I really didn't get to lead anybody to the Lord or go too far down. You know, I, I talked to them and shared with them, but... I drove away, and I was just thinking how beautiful they were. Eat the, that family, the runner, 
the woman, they were her boys, and just how sweet they were. And then that other woman, she was, seemed so strong. She was, you know, followed John MacArthur, <laughs> didn't want to go too far down that path. She seemed so strong and really set. Um, she liked to share her faith. She was a strong woman. And then that last couple, Church of Christ, they were so sweet. And the Lord just reiterated to me again how these folks that, man, we don't, no doubt, we don't agree on everything. There is no doubt about it. There are things that I won't even get into it, but, you know, I just don't, just don't agree on everything that they teach. But I felt nothing but the love of Jesus for them, and I saw the Lord in them. And I wish we could all go to one church and all get along, don't you? Do you know in heaven, I talked to an Amish guy, uh, three Amish guys, about Jesus this week. Yeah, and that is so fun. They were building a roof next to my house. That's a layup, right? They're, they're in a, that's just a layup. They're right there. And I stopped cutting grass, and I got in a conversation. And I, I asked him, if, and I was kind of joking. We got to know each other. It was uh, Raymond Yoder. Well, maybe I shouldn't say their full name. Raymond, uh, Roy, and Leroy. And I uh, really enjoyed talking to them. And I said, do you think there's going to be an Amish part of heaven? And, uh, you know, I was, we, we, got, we talked for 10, 15 minutes. So, and uh, they they didn't know how to answer that question, to be honest. And I was sitting there, and they were working on a hot roof, and they had long pants on, shirts up to here, suspenders, a hat. I had on these short shorts and uh, <clears throat> a muscle T-shirt. Now, I don't go in public a lot like that, <clears throat> excuse me, unless I'm running, right? <clears throat> but uh, let me get a drink. <clears throat> unless I'm running. But I was like, I asked the guys, I said, is this shocking to you guys? I'm out here cutting grass in these short shorts because <clears throat> they're out working and they got this long stuff on and they kind of, they didn't say anything again. They were just kind of quiet. But you know, as I was talking to them, I just saw, we talked a long while, I just saw how beautiful these guys were. How many in here, you are Amish? Anybody Amish? How many think you agree with everything the Amish probably teach on Sunday morning? But I could see the beauty in these men. They were hard workers. They were strong. They, they lived right. Uh, they were all but one of them, they were married. And the Lord just reminded me of that. Like, the body of Christ is so diverse. And I know, it's something, had I questioned this Berean woman, I know that she would have told me, this is what she believes and gone down there, and she's going to stand on that. And then, you know, if I talk to the Amish, they're going to tell me this is what they believe. What I found out about most people is most people believe that they're right. In fact, I'm going somewhere with this. Everybody believes that they're right. Amen? <clears throat> I remember a pastor who I loved uh, getting up one Sunday and had a list of all these people that he disagreed with. And I love this guy. And I'm like, whoa. I said, man, I like that guy. And boy, I really like that guy. There was like 40 or 50 of them. And I like that guy. And boy, I like that guy. I, I like that woman. And I'm going through. And I felt honestly, because he disagreed with all of them. And I felt, man, maybe I don't belong here. I mean, I really did. And it wasn't because I was angry or upset. I just felt like, wow. And after two weeks of 
praying about it and actually talked to him. I went in and I talked to him about it and um, prayed. The Lord told me, get over it. Get over it. Why? Because I belong there. I was put on staff there. And I, there are a lot of, in fact, Pam and I had so much fun there. It was one of our best experiences, wasn't it, Pam? We absolutely loved it. And to this day, that pastor, I, I, I just love him so much. But a pastor or a preacher is going to preach what they believe. Is that correct? If you got up here, you'd preach what you believe. Amen. But we do our best to ground everything like we, we trust everybody does. We do our best to ground everything we believe doctrinally in the Word. The elders will talk about it. We don't always even agree on everything together, but we'll talk about it. But one thing as a pastor that I insist upon, and we must have, if this church is going to move forward together, and this is where I'm getting, I love the whole expression of the body of Christ. We're going to be in heaven together forever, and you'll love them all, I tell you. When, when you get in heaven, we'll just love everybody. But one thing we must have as a body of believers here, we've got to walk in unity here. Amen? And there may be something you believe a little different than me or something where you prioritize something here or there. But when it comes to the vision of the church and where we're heading and the direction we're going, we got to be in unity. One of the best messages I ever heard was by Dave Slayball, a former uh, Mennonite. He preached on this message about there was, uh, on, on New England, they had safe houses and <clears throat> rescue houses and places where they brought people to rescue them, and the church was a rescue house. And he talked about rowing together, how when you're rowing a boat, if one person's splashing this way and one person splashing that way, you're not going to get anywhere. Has anybody ever seen those pro uh, professional rowers, how they're all going together? Yeah. What happens if one guy put his oar up in the air? Well, I ain't going that way. Okay, you ain't going to win the race either, right? One guy throwing his oar up, you're not going to win the race. Or uh, you've seen those movies where they have the drums and they're going, boom. What, what do they say? Stroke. Stroke, right? And what happens when they don't stroke? Someone gets whipped. Someone gets whipped. Now, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Good job, Mikey. Somebody gets whipped. And we're not into whipping. You know, that's not the, the Jesus way. But they, because they know you all got to row, that, that ship isn't going to go anywhere if you're not all rowing together. Amen? So when it comes to the vision of the church or the direction of the church, we're led by elders here. We listen to people. I, I listen to people. I listen to other preachers. I, you know, Charlie has an idea. Jeff has an idea. We're listening. But we're getting direction from the Lord, and we're going a certain direction. Now, there's nothing, even in that church, my point being, even in that church that I was at, and there were some things I just fundamentally disagreed with, there was nothing ever there that the Lord told me to divide with that church and start trouble. Go behind people's back and whisper. Don't do it. Call people and I, I don't even want to necessarily go down that way. Call people and I heard of one story here and I'm not going to go a long way down there because for me, it's water off a duck's back. But literally I've heard, could be at any church, people 
Call somebody up from the church and say, hey, and encourage them not to go there anymore. What? Like say, hey, don't go there anymore because I disagree with this. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's like, you ever heard that saying, I'd rather, what, how's it go? Uh, Rain in hell than serve in heaven, something like that. Anybody ever heard that? You never heard that before? Yeah, who's heard it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd rather rule in hell than be a servant in heaven, right? Some people would rather, if you disagree, they would rather burn the whole house down than humble themselves, do what the Bible says, be quiet, pray, be humble, talk, work things out, fellowship, work things out. They'd rather burn the whole thing down rather than just do what the Bible says to do. Amen. Amen. There's some people, I don't know necessarily anybody here like that, but it is so important because the whole world, everything out in the world where we go, everybody is doing it my way. Frank Sinatra did it his way, and uh, these, these people are doing it their way, and their people, that is not how the body of Christ operates. We have one shepherd, according to Ecclesiastes, who has one hammer, and he has goads, which are nails, and he's fastening those nails like a master carpenter. He has a vision for every church. I'm not, I love, me and that Methodist pastor, JP, we've run together three times. He's been up here praying with me three times. We love each other. I, I love that guy. We, we've come, we're becoming friends, but I am not telling him what his vision for that Methodist church should be. Amen? And he's, not, he's praying for Grace Point, I'm praying for the UUM, but he's not telling me what this church should be, and I'm not telling him, amen? But boy, I love him. What a great guy. He's a runner. He's, oh, I can't, I don't want to, we have, a, we have a, a lot more in common than you might suspect. I'll just leave it at that. But Jesus is providing direction for, for the church. So turn to Philippians chapter 1 and read verse 27 with me. We're going to read a little bit. Let's read this. I always have every week so many scriptures, and I'm going to get into the scriptures. There's, I always have like, you know, 50 scriptures behind everything I'm saying. I can only read like two or three of them because I just can't keep flipping and flipping and flipping to them. Chapter 1 of Philippians, verse 27 only let your conversation, this is King James, what does your translation say there instead of conversation? Conduct. What? Conduct. Conduct. Anybody have something else? Manner. I think one translation says lifestyle. Is that what yours says? Lifestyle. Only let your lifestyle or conduct or conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else I am absent, I may hear of your affairs, he was the apostle of this church, that you stand fast in one spirit and one mind, what for, Paul? Striving together for the faith of the gospel, okay? We're rowing together for the faith of the gospel, that's our common cause. If you go further and you read in chapter 2, 
Verse 19, chapter 2 of Philippians, he says, I trust to the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. That's Paul's whole mindset. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. He's talking about church people here. He's not talking about outsiders. He doesn't have anybody that, that's going to care for them like Paul does. He says, but Timothy has my heart. He has my spirit. And he's going to care about you. I went through uh, Philippians one time and circled all the times that Paul said you. Paul, that book of Philippians, it's you. I care about you. I'm praying for you. I want you to grow. It's you, 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 you. I want you to grow up in your faith. I want you to be activated. I want you to be blessed. I want you to be healed. I want you to preach. I'm all for you. I'm doing this for Jesus, and Jesus did it for you. Someone say amen. And he said, I don't have anybody that would care for your state but I'm going to send him, you know the proof of him, that like a son with the father, he has served me, how? In the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send to you soon. And I trust the Lord shall send me also. And, and, and he goes on. So Paul is saying, hey, I want us to have one mind and one mouth and one spirit promoting the vision. And I've talked about the last several weeks. This is stuff the Lord was really talking to me about uh, when I was in Pennsylvania. He's like, Brad, what is the purpose of the church? What's the purpose of the church? And you could say there are a lot of sub-purposes. There's a lot of things you, you can get into. But what, is, what does the word say that the purpose of the church is? What is it all about? And you can flip over to Matthew 28. Verse 18, and we talked about that last week. You could go to Mark 16. Uh, I won't read that today, but Matthew 28, verse 18 says, All authority in heaven and in earth, and Jeff, we talked about that this morning, on, in heaven and in earth, Jesus has authority on earth, has been given to me, now I am sending you. Now I'm sending you. And I want you to make disciples, not just get people saved, but I want you to make disciples of all nations. And I want you to teach them what I taught you. See my shirt? I wore it for a reason today. That's what Jesus taught them to do. And more things. Taught them to forgive. Taught them to love. Taught them to be servants. Taught them to do this stuff here too, right? Cast out devils, raise the dead, heal the sick. He taught them a lot. And he said, everything that I have taught you, now I want you to go teach others what I've taught you and to make disciples. That is fundamentally the vision of the universal church, every church everywhere. Every Christian church everywhere, Sister Kittle, we are all tasked with the preaching of the gospel. And there may be many, some churches are more given to worship, some more given to talking about money, maybe some may be more this and more that. But every church has this mission given to us by our commander-in-chief. Jesus is Lord. Someone say, Jesus is Lord. That's what's on his heart. And I know the Lord a little bit. And when I pray, and I really pray into the Spirit, I'm always in the Spirit. Who knows what I mean, but sometimes I really hit a vein when I'm praying in the Spirit. And I'm feeling the heart of God. Every time I've rolled on the floor crying, 
or agonizing, it's always been for a lost soul. It's always been for somebody, it's always been praying for somebody else. Agonizing and literally on the floor in pain, agonizing because that's the Spirit of God. God's will is that no man would be lost. God doesn't want anybody spending eternity separated from Jesus in hell. God wants all men to be saved. He wants all men, and not only does He want us to be saved, that's the doorway in, but once we get saved, He has a purpose and a plan and a mission for your life, for your life, for your life. And there are, I was talk, Talon was talking to you how important it is to be a good dad, you know? That's, that is a responsibility of every father is to be a good dad, or mother be a good mother, husbands be a good husband, wives be a good wife. You want to be great at it because Jesus lives in you. It'll help your witness. It'll help you bring glory to God. It'll be good for you. It'll be good for everybody you're in contact with. But all of those things are subservient to seeking the kingdom first. You're raising kids to the glory of God. There's nothing more important on Sunday mornings for you to do rather than pray Little League Baseball you know, there's nothing more important for you to do than bring your kids in here with you, raise your hands and worship God and let them see you praising God. There's nothing more important for you to do than that. Or to see you uh, when you're out shopping at the store to see that this means something to you more than just Sunday morning to see you pray for somebody or help somebody financially or do a good deed, Right? Your kids need to see you living out the kingdom. Every service I say, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. God has told us if we prioritize his mission, he will prioritize our provision. That's what he said. You seek my kingdom first and all this stuff will be added to you. Worship and serve the Lord God above every other God, every other thing. All right, that's priority. And then love one another. So the commission, the great commission of the church is to make disciples. It is. And I didn't make it up. So the purpose of Grace Point Church, it's not like, you know, like, it's like, yeah, duh. But the purpose of Grace Point Church is to do what Jesus said. Thus, we're doing cityquake.org activation learning how to go out and make disciples. And we'll probably offer it again, okay? There's other ways, there's other methods to do it. I understand that. But our desire is to make disciples of all nations. And then when we get people saved, and this is why we're, we're praying, we're looking at stuff, we want to develop leaders, because 2 Timothy, can you look up 2 Timothy 2.2? 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul says, hey, listen, this is what I'm pouring my life into. I'm out, the Lord talked to me, Linda, and he does talk to me, and he said, Brad, I've given you the right DNA. I put my spirit in you. You're out doing this stuff, not just sharing the gospel, which I do. You'd be amazed. I do share the gospel, but not just that, but to obey in other areas. My finances, Jesus is Lord. I've learned that. I'm putting Jesus first in my money. In my marriage, Jesus is Lord. I'm putting Jesus first in my marriage. I'm learning that. God's put some DNA in me of the Word of God and the Gospels and sharing this. And he is saying, Brad, if you've got this, then you need to equip other people in this. Men, people, leaders, so that they can do it. That's the only way that the Gospel is going to go on 
is if you pour out your knowledge, women, to your children and your sphere, if you pour out your knowledge of God to them, man, if you pour out at work, people that you're leading to Christ, people that you work with, if you're teaching them about Jesus, pouring out into them, you're duplicating yourself. That's the only way this thing will go on. Can you read that, Andrea? Paul's vision. He said, hey, Timothy, the things that you heard from me, I want you to pick out faithful men. And some translations say people. I, I imagine the Greek word is men, but it's, for me, it's men and women. There's faithful women. They're going to go teach people too, and they're going to lead people to the Lord, and they want to duplicate themselves too. He says, teach that to other people, what you learn, what you know, teach it to Lois, and then Lois, you teach it to this Lois. And then she can teach it over here, right? We're passing that stuff down. That is the mission and the purpose of the church. That's what we're doing. Somebody say amen. amen. I remember another story. Someone say amen. Come on. And I'll tell you what. And I tell Pam, I live with a person that considers themselves introverted. I understand the struggles. I really do. I get it. Everybody thinks it was easy for me the first time I shared Jesus, but it wasn't. But I am more extroverted than some. But I'll tell you what, you know, Pam's in here doing this. I know it's challenging for people to do. I know some people will be more naturally gifted at it. But one thing we can agree on is that should be our common goal and purpose as a church in our giving. I want to see souls saved and people discipled, right? I want to pray for your lost loved ones. My goal is to pray for your kids that they get saved. I want to see people saved. I want to see people. That's what I'm praying for. I'm operating in the gifts of the Spirit. The reason I'm operating the gifts of the Spirit is I want to demonstrate something of God's grace so someone gets saved or somebody gets changed, somebody gets blessed, so we're expanding the kingdom of God. That's our goal. Amen? Amen. Not to build a ministry. It's the Lord's ministry. He'll build it. Didn't he say that? The Lord's really shifted me here. He said, Brad, if you concentrate on building people, I'll build the church. Say that, that, that was good, whether you know it or not, that was good. Say, if you concentrate on building people, I will build the church. I said, okay, Lord, amen. amen. Woo, I like it. I felt that, Mike. So we want to build people. I was listening to something on a podcast, and the guy was talking about standing up for what's important and standing up for what's true and being courageous. And I said, Lord, what is more important and what is more true than the love of God and his desire to see people saved, to see people come into the kingdom? What is more on God's heart than that? How many wants to be courageous? It's in your heart. It's in your spirit. You do. What I've seen, Joyce, and I've seen this in my own life, every time I've broken through a wall, Joyce, and you broke through one, you broke through a wall, you know, and there's more. Every time I broke through a wall, Paul talks about fortresses and, and strongholds in our mind and stuff like that. 
And that's where the walls are. They're in our mind. Every time I've broken through a wall, let's say a wall of fear, what I learned, Mikey, was there was nothing to be afraid of. Like, what was I afraid of? Just step right into it. And I step into the mission and share Jesus. And they, the people pray with me or they respond or maybe they don't respond. But I'm like, what was I afraid of? And I step through that wall and boom, okay. And then I get another opportunity and I, I believe the Lord's leading me. And I step through another boundary in my mind, some wall I've constructed. I'm telling you it's not real. It's in your mind. It's a, it's a fear thing in your mind. Uh, they're not going to like me. They're going to reject me. All these things are fortresses in our mind, and the weapons of God are strong and mighty. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit, prayer, fasting, whatever you got to do, these weapons, speaking the Word, this is how I fight my battle, all these things, and just stepping out on the Word, these things will tear these fortresses down, the walls will be removed, and you'll be standing, and all your giants will be slayed. It is impossible to walk on the Word and not have God honor the Word that He's spoken to you. It is impossible for you to be defeated by Goliath when the Spirit of God is in you, and you've got the Word of God in you, and you've got the Spirit of God in you, and you've got the power of God in you. It is impossible for you to be defeated by Goliath. You are going to whop his head off. You are going to take his head off. You're going to lift it up and say, Boys, follow me. I got him. Fear is not going to hold me back. Amen. I look at Goliath like fear because he's an intimidator. Yeah. Always intimidating. That little David, probably five foot flat. Goliath was about seven foot, part of the Nephilim. I got a Nephilim story. Praise the Lord. And Go David said, you come at me with all your muscle and all your brawn. He said, listen, I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord. And I am going to whack that head right off of you. And I am going to feed your carcass to the dogs. Jalen, say hallelujah. Amen. It's getting exciting, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm going to feed your carcass. That's what we need to do with fear. Run right at it and say, I am not going to live my life in fear. And I'm not. I refuse to. If you chicken out or you, that's okay. Just get back up on your bike tomorrow. Anybody ever crashed the first time they rode a bike? They had to put me on training wheels and stick me on a hill. I kept falling over and they finally put little training wheels on it. And I'm like, woo! Brad, we're going to take those training wheels off. No, don't take the training wheels off. We're going to put you on a hill and we're going to roll you down that hill. Okay. And I get on there. I go, wait a minute. What happens at the bottom of the hill? I'm like, uh-oh. What happens? You go, boop, and you fall until you learn to paddle. Amen? My dad taught me. I'm talking about fear. I got a point, Jeff. I'm talking about fear. My dad took me to learn how to swim, and he threw me in the water. I was afraid. You would have been too. And I come up doggy paddling and sinking. My, thank God my, my dad cared about me. He grabbed me and pulled me out. Dad, don't do that again. Oh, Dad, don't. Please, 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 Dad, don't. Woo, here I go again. I'm not saying this is godly or this is what you should do. Maybe that's part of my problem today. But he pitched me in again. And you know, I learned how to doggy. When I first learned how to swim, I was doggy paddling. I learned how to do that little and go over and boom. I remember one time dad threw me in and he turned to talk to somebody. And some guy came between me and dad and I hit him and I sunk. And I gulped some water. I was terrified. But you know what? I overcame it. I can swim now. I'm a swimmer. You could throw me in the water now. I'd be like, oh, let's swim. Let's, let's do this, okay? 
I'm not a champion swimmer, but I can swim. In other words, we can overcome fear. You can fast, you can pray, you can get in the Word, and then ask God to help you. He will help you. That's what this sharpener thing is all about. He will help you in whatever area. I'm talking about witnessing. It can be in any area. Sometimes it takes courage to give when the Lord tells you to give to somebody. It takes courage because I don't think I have it. God says, give it anyway. Do it. You're going to find out what God will do for you. I've got to tell you, I've got to tell you, we helped somebody recently and it happened again. I always say, oops, there, there it goes again. God did it again. Help somebody very specifically. Was it a month later, Sister Kittle? Someone bought you that precious gift. We said, Lord, we don't necessarily have this money. You're telling us to help this person. We're going to step out and we're going to help them because the Spirit of God is saying it. I'm going to walk on the Word. I'm not going to walk in fear. I'm not going to walk in unbelief. I love people. I want to help people. And boom, like three weeks, four weeks later, that very amount just bang right back to us. Let me tell another story. You're going to have to give me a few extra minutes, not too much, because i got to get somewhere. I told the elders this. I, I was in a line at Speedway, and Pam and I had been talking to some uh, homeless guys about Jesus. Very tragic. One of those stories. Very tragic story. And I got in line, and one of the girls that had been out there kind of talking to, her name was Megan, and she was homeless. And I go up in line, and she's standing behind me. And just out of my spirit, I turned to her, and I turned to the guy, and I said, hey, I'm going to buy her drink for her. No big deal. It's just a dollar. It's not a big deal. So I bought her a drink just because I wanted to. So I bought her. We went out and talked a little bit. She told me her name. She told me a little bit about her, and it was good, and we talked, and I just kind of forgot about it, right? I just wanted to buy her a drink. It was Mikey was with me on last Tuesday, and we go into the Speedway, and we're going in there, and there's a couple guys in there, and I want to talk to him about Jesus. We did talk to Steve about Jesus a motorcycle guy, and we're standing in line, and I am standing where Megan was standing, and this biker is standing here, and I have my drink in my hand. I'm standing exactly where Megan is. I made a joke with the bicycler about buying cigarettes. I told the guy, well, he's at least 13. I'll vouch for him. He laughed about it, and then out of nowhere, the guy turns to me in the exact manner that I had done five days prior, and he said, hey, I will buy his drink, put it on my bill. A young, guy a young guy said, I'll buy his drink. Not a big deal, but the Lord just showed me in a microcosm immediately. He said, Brad, that's sowing and reaping. I thought of it immediately. Yeah. Brad, that's sowing and reaping. Yeah. This is such a small thing. If it works on small things, it works on big things. Amen. If you have the courage to sow, I will give you a harvest. I'm the Lord of the harvest. If you have the courage to sow, I will give you a harvest. Amen. Someone say amen. amen. Besides that, it's, very, it's nice to help people anyway, isn't it? It's beautiful when you can. Amen? Amen? What am I saying? I'm talking about fear, that thing that keeps us from God's vision to evangelize the world. I am realizing more and more there's nothing to be afraid of. There isn't. What are they going to do, kill me and send me to heaven? So what? And Charlie, I've only yet begun. I mean it. This thing's getting inside of me. I told you that story at Wendy's. This thing is only beginning to be inside of me. I don't know where me and the Lord are going, but I'm going to chase this dog all the way. Lord, I, I, I'm going to tackle. Lord, Lord, through your spirit, I am going to overcome fear through the spirit of God, not by might, not by power, not by my own ability, because I am going to learn to trust God, to walk in his spirit and overcome fear. How about you? You'll be blessed if you do. 
That's fear in any realm of your life. Flip over to Luke chapter 9. I'm going to bring this thing to a close. What am I saying? The vision of the church is to go. But it's not enough to go. We need to disciple. And everybody in the church is a part of that. Everybody in the church is a part of that. Every single person is a part of that. Making disciples. In Mark 3, don't go there, Mark 3, 13, Jesus uh, chose 12 guys. They were ordinary people. It wasn't Pope John Paul. It wasn't a theologian. The Word says they were ignorant and unlearned. They weren't the bright ones. They weren't the theologians. They were quite the opposite. They were ignorant and unlearned. It's hard to teach people that already know everything. You just can't teach people that already know it. These guys were a blank slate. They were humble. They were ignorant and unlearned. And it says, Jesus called them to himself, get this, that they might be with him. That's the most important thing, Linda, so that they would be with him. That's the first thing. They're going to spend time with Jesus. They would be with him. And so that he could teach them, that Jesus could teach these 12, right? And then that they should go preach the gospel. That was his mission, right? That's what he was doing. I'm with you. I'm going to teach you. And then I'm going to send you. Luke 9. Then he called the 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority. Jeff, we talked about this a little bit too. He gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And you could, he gives them some instructions. Don't take anything with you. He, he sent them out in faith. Verse 6 says, they departed, they went through the towns, they were preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Isn't that beautiful? He put them on a mission. He put them on a mission. In the next chapter, in chapter 10, he called 70, others also, and he put those 70 on a mission. How many thinks Jesus has a mission? He does. And if you go to the end of Luke, and you go to the end of Mark, and you go to uh, John 21, you go to the end of Matthew, he says, guys, I'm leaving, now I'm sending you. Go in my name. I'm going to give, we had a power encounter a month ago where we receive the power of God, it's power for a purpose. Go. And I, I want to be very charitable about it. It will look different for you than it does for me, but it's for everybody. And this is the primary mission of this church. Go. Also, make disciples. I have more. We'll talk about what nets we're going to use the boats we're bringing people into. We have more, but that's our focus. And everything in our lives, if for the true believer, the follower, the disciple, is to that end. So I don't understand people that will 
burn a church down to get their way in doctrinal issue or this, that. I don't understand it when that has nothing to do with the, your primary mission. I don't think people split churches that are out evangelizing. I just don't. I don't see that. People that are out loving people. I had a, just an epiphany this week about the way the church is. You know, God was talking to me about His love and how He loves people and how He wants us to go out. There are so many hurting people. I was at the fire, I talked to so many kids at the fireworks on Friday night. There are so many teenagers that are hungry for Jesus. You can't believe it. Or you go and they have questions about Jesus. They, they don't know. They've heard this or that. I'm telling you, Pam, am I telling the truth? So many teenagers saying, well, I kind of believe in God. Or one girl got hurt in some church she went to and one girl was hurt, one person, someone had died in their family and she was hurting. But many of these kids are saying, I want to follow Jesus, but they don't know anything about Jesus and no one's telling them allegedly or supposedly because they want to hear, they want to know. And don't they have a right to know this next generation that Jesus died for them? I'm not going to leave them out into the culture. I just don't want to do that. I pray God gives me the courage and conviction all of my life not to, to leave them out there to the mercy of the devil and the winds of this world. I want to go. How about you? That's my purpose. And I'm the pastor here, and I, I, I'm under elders. My elders, they rebuke me from time to time. That's okay. That's the purpose, but it's not just my purpose. It's Jesus' purpose. Who's going to get on board? Because that's where the train's going, because Jesus did that. That's what Jesus said. I'm going to tell my Nephilim story, and I'm going to end. There are many great topics in the Bible, and I mean that. Anybody love the Word? I love the Word. I dig into it. I'd be surprised if anybody historically has outstudied me when it comes. Maybe. I don't know but I love the Bible. I'm in it all the time. I like sub-stories. I like to dig in on some of these things, you know, but, uh, and I've dug into the Nephilim talent. We talked, I still don't get it all, but I'm, you know, I've dug into it. It's a very interesting topic, but one time I was out with the church, and there was a car show or something um, downtown Newark, and we were, uh, had a prayer tent up. You might have been there. I don't know. We had a prayer tent. You were there, weren't you? And we were praying for the lost. We were praying for sick people. We were praying for people, had this tent, and we gave them a, like a cupcake or something or some snacks. And then we said, hey, how can we pray for you? And I noticed there was all this commotion over at the Midland Theater and all these people coming out. When I went over to get a coffee, I figured out they were having a conference and they were having a Nephilim conference. And, and ain't that funny? They were having a Nephilim. Now, listen, I'm not, I get this. Anybody know about the Nephilim? It's an interesting topic. You, you can get into that and you could go down a bunny trail for study the book of Enoch and you could study that stuff forever. It is interesting. I'm not going to deny it. I've studied it. I find it interesting, right? And so when I saw them, I, I don't hold any, uh, that's fine. They can study the Nephilim. But I thought, and I know some people like this, their whole life, they're studying the Nephilim. They've dedicated their lives to studying obscure scriptures, right? Controversial matters. You can waste your whole life going down all these bunny trails and all the, for me, I'd rather be over at the park giving out cupcakes and praying for people. 
And I will bet I will grow more doing that than you grow studying the Nephilim. I'll bet God's love grows in me more. I'll bet I have more compassion at the end of the day from the Father if I'm doing His business. Amen? Don't get me wrong. I've read books on it. I find it fascinating. I'm not criticizing studying stuff, but that's not the mission. That's a sub-thing. If you like it, fine. I told Talon I was going to go to a Bitcoin conference, okay? I know that going to a Bitcoin conference is not God's purpose for the church, right? It's just something I'm interested in. If I go, I don't know if I'll go or not, but I'm not confusing that with the mission and the purpose of the church, okay? You get it? So our heart's desire, my heart's desire, and I trust the elders, is to follow the pattern that's in the Scripture, to, to preach the gospel and make disciples. And I pray that you get on board. Amen? This thing, I'm, I'm going to finish. This thing of the love of God is powerful. Do you know what cast out fear? Perfect love. When you love people, you would run into the house for your son if it was burning because you love him. You'd probably run in for your cat, you know. I, I thought you had one. Oh, oh, dog. You'd run in for your dog. Amen. I would. I'd probably run in for my cat because I love my cats. Perfect love casts out fear. When we accept the mission God's give us and we, given us and we start acting on it, his love will start working in our heart. We're not, we're not going to want to argue with people as much as we're going to want to bring them in. Like, hey, you need to say, I know what sin's on your life. Come on, come on in. Jesus wants to clean that up. Let's pray. Let's pray. I'm done.